Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Rich Allen. The Ligue 1 season has come to a close, and a dramatic finale is all that we could have hoped for, but was there one final twist in this tale, or did everything revert back to the status quo? All of that and more after the latest headlines. Friday hosted all the final league and weekend games and there was tension in Caen as they failed to get the win they needed against Bordeaux, going down 1-0 to Paolo Sosa's side. That defeat left the door open for Dijon, who promptly kicked it down, winning 2-1 against Toulouse and earning, in quotation marks, a relegation playoff tie against Ligue 2's Lens, while Caen's four-year stay in Liga has come to an end. Amiens did not get involved in the Enders' results went their way, but they still got what they needed by beating Gangomp 2-1, leapfrobbing both Toulouse and Monaco, who fell to a 2-0 defeat to local rivals Nice on the final day. Paris Saint-Germain closed out a morbid 2019 end of the season with a 3-1 defeat to Reims. The champions also announced that manager Thomas Tuchel has signed a new deal with the club until 2021. Elsewhere, Lyon finished with a flourish in Bruno Genesio's final match in charge with a 3-2 win against Nîmes, with President Jean-Michel Olas confirming that three departures are likely this summer. Saint-Étienne drew one all against Angers in Jean-Louis Gasset's final game as players came out in support of the current assistant, Gislam Preton, who to be his successor next season, or they will look to play football elsewhere. Marseille rounded out the Rudy Garcia era with a 1-0 win over Montpellier. They also saw Mario Balotelli sent off in what could potentially be his final game for the club, with reports that Andre Villas-Boas will be sworn into Marseille sooner rather than later. Coupe de France winners Rennes finished with a high, beating Champions League-bound Lille 3-1, while Coupe de Ligue winners Strasbourg also ended their great season with a 1-0 win over Nantes. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the drama at the bottom of the table because at the final day, there was that one final twist as Con could not get past uh, a resolute Bordeaux side who hadn't won in six games but all of a sudden turned things around just when no one else and Con wanted them to and Dijon managed to come from behind as well against Toulouse to earn a 2-1 win with former heroes at least Sleety and Tavares getting on the score sheet two names we expect to see more of this season and we may see more of them next season now Rich it's a massive accomplishment for them to try and get back into it now and and, and finally get that spot when uh, all seemed pretty doomed uh, a couple of weeks ago really for them and uh, an interesting game for them now to obviously have to focus on the game against Lance but a real chance for them to stay up and given that uh, before kickoff, uh, I think a number of us thought that they were probably going to crash out with Colm facing Toulouse. They've um, got themselves into at least a position to try and stay, have that one last shot of staying up. Yeah, exactly. I think they can go into it at least with a little bit of confidence. They've got the relief of, well, we've avoided the, the certain drop. 
Um, the game against Toulouse, I think, showed a great deal of spirit for that Dijon team that maybe I perhaps hadn't envisaged. Um, they went behind. Um, obviously, there was the news that had filtered through that, that Khan had also gone behind relatively early on in their game. Um, Toulouse then went behind, I think it was just after the half hour mark. Sorry, Dijon just went behind just after the half hour mark. Would have been very easy, I think, for heads to, to have dropped again. Um, but they, they turned it around. They showed great resolve. Um, Julio Tavares, obviously, was a he played fantastically last season, um, has been completely off the boil this season, but ultimately, when it's really mattered, he, he stepped up. Um, he'd scored three goals uh, in the first two games of the season and then had scored nothing until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he got an important goal in a, in a 2-1 win at home to Strasbourg. And then he, he netted the winner against Toulouse, which ultimately has, has, for now anyway, kept them up. So it's it's huge credit to them. It's huge credit, um, I suppose, to Combouare. I think he's he's not had a good season. Obviously, started at Gangon, didn't work out there. Hasn't really turned things around a great deal at Dijon, but has ultimately got them this opportunity and, and this shot at, at staying up. Um, the team is good enough to, to, to defeat Lens. I think they'll be a little wary to be facing Lens. I think mate, most of them, and I think we as we as well, when we were talking about the the the, uh, the likely playoff last week, we're all thinking it was going to be Toi. Um, Lens, who, who just sneaked into those playoffs on the last day of the season, um, you know, saw off Paris FC, have now seen off you know, big favourites in Twa, so they will be full of confidence as well. They have recently gone experience, so it's not going to be an easy game for Dijon, but they can at least go into it feeling buoyed as to, well, actually, you know what, some of us secretly probably didn't expect us to be here. You know, Bordeaux have done them a huge, huge favour. Um, again, recalling back to, to last week's podcast, all of us, when we had Tom on as well, we were all, you know, as nailed on as it could be, kind of going to get the win. Um, and and they they seem to freeze um, when it really mattered. Dijon didn't. You know, both were in the same situation. They had to win. Caen were in at least a position to know that if they won, they were guaranteed to be up. Dijon, it wasn't necessarily going to be that 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 scenario. But they both went behind. Caen froze. Dijon didn't, and ultimately, that's why we're in this position. Yeah, and, and thinking back for, for Dijon, you know, go, going back to sort of February, March time where they only got a point out of eight games. We thought they were absolutely gone. They'd lost, uh, yes, to big sides. There's losses to Lille and Paris Saint-Germain in there, but there's a defeat to Gangom, defeat to Nice, defeat to Saint-Étienne, Nîmes, Marseille. They they were really crippled, just a point against Ras that, that kept them just about float, but those results against Leon, the, the unlikely win against Rennes as well, 3-2 and 3-1 respectively, it's, it kept them afloat. And then we thought they were gone again when they lost to Con during that, that special Con double header that they had, at least anyway. And then they followed that up with a defeat to Norton. We thought, oh, it's probably dead and buried for them. And then they resurrect themselves briefly again with the Strasbourg win, the Paris Saint-Germain defeat wasn't necessarily the nail in the coffin, we thought, but at least they, they, we thought that they pretty much tried to need that one given the, the last day of the season, but they kept fighting and and 
much like you, if you've seen the highlights as well, Kumbuare does bring on Sleety at, at half time, and it was inspired because he 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 was inventive. He was he was uh, a, a real spark that they needed. Obviously, scored the first one and was involved in the second one where Tavares scores as well, the winner as well. And I tell you one thing, and not just the fans will be relieved or any of the players because they have got a, a decent squad. And like you say, you would fantasy them against Lens, but it would be an interesting playoff when they they come together on on Thursday and on Sunday night as well with Lens being a relatively famous French team. It'd be interesting to see them back in, in Liga. So it's, it'd be interesting to, to see who wins that battle. But we were discussing this on Thursday with Jez. I'm pretty sure the, the most relieved man in Dijon is Antoine Comboire because, my word, what a hammer blow to his reputation if if both the two teams he'd managed this season had gone down automatically. It would have ri- it, it's, it's one of those moments that could ruin a career, really. It's not just the fact that he might have been managing in Liga next season, but Admittedly, would a league to take him on? Do they think they could trust him to to get back up? It's that much of a of a dissatisfaction because would does he turn then into a at least preceding this season a, a a French Neil Warnock of a of a man who can maybe get you up but maybe can't keep you up is the, is the kind of thing. But he'll be delighted and all those players. This is the funny thing about the playoffs. Sometimes when you do fall into it like this, it's it's that much of a relief that it gives you a lift and um, we'll come on to the side that's that's unfortunately dropped out now and in Colne and. Um, um, it's a real shame for them. We've mentioned them being the, the sort of cockroach in league, and we've never meant that in a disparaging way, really. More than anything, they've they've always been a, a fighter and a, and a comeback merchant. But they lost at the final hurdle when they needed it, and and Bordeaux were the side that um, gives them the nail of the coffee in a, a team that was completely out of form. But it, it's a tough one to take for them. You could see it on the motion on the players' faces, especially. Poor Frederick Gilbert, who's must, must must not be able to know where to put himself at the moment. Friday night, he has the disappointment of his current team going down, and uh, well, the, later on the, the, today realizes that uh, his new club, Aston Villa, will be playing the Premier League next season. So he's he must have been an up and down weekend for the poor man. I know he wanted to stay at Con to try and keep them up, and a number of those players looked absolutely exhausted at the end of, of full time, but they were. In, if they look back on themselves and the fans do, Rich, they were pretty lucky to even be in that position to to have a chance at staying up because they had a terrific sort of end of the season. It's just much like we mentioned a couple of times, they needed the momentum to go in. And weirdly enough, the the point at Gangomp's the one that's killed them. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you'd have said looking at their running, this was especially seeing how Bordeaux would, uh, were finishing the season and. You know, they had nothing to play for. We're on the back of six straight defeats. As I just, I can only refer back to the podcast last week when we, we were all in agreement. You know, Carl were going to get the win. Um, you know, we know how well they can scrap. We know that they've been in this scenario before. We know that they've got out of this scenario before, and they've been in far more difficult circumstances than this before. You, know, you look back to the last two seasons; they've needed points. And their last, their final game of both of those was PSG, and they've got the points that they needed. So we know that they can do it. Um, and the, the the situation just got to them. Um, you know, they they didn't play horrifically. Um, they certainly had the chances, but as has been the story of their season, they can create the chances. They just don't seem to have anyone that can finish the chances. You know, I think they had they had over fourteen shots on goal. Uh, 14 shots and only one of them were on target. 
Um, it's just not, it's ultimately, it's just not good enough. Um, you know, you look at the results that they picked up in their, in their running, you know, they won away at Nice. They, they had that big, big win at home to Dijon. Um, they got the win uh, at home to, to Rouse. Yeah, they lost at, at Lyon, but similarly to Dijon, I think it was a case of we'll go there, see if we can get anything. If it doesn't look like it, then we put all or you know, all or nothing on that final game. Um, and and they and as I say, they they seem to they seem to freeze. They just it, it summed up their season really that there was there was just enough there for for chances to be created but just not enough quality to finish them off. And, you know, you look at their story, and it's probably a similar story for the entire season, um, last few seasons, I would say, actually, that, that they just struggle when it, uh, when, it comes to, um, when it comes to scoring. You know, they were the 29 goals, I think, they scored this season, and Gangon scored less. Um, you know, you can go back the last two or three seasons and call are normally in the bottom three when it comes to, to goals scored. And it has been a problem, and they've just struggled to address it. Um, and unfortunately, this is the season, you know, defence-wise, it wasn't it wasn't too bad when you compare them with other teams down there. Um, you know, they're, they're not standout dreadful when it comes to leaking goals. Um, but, you know, if you've got a defence... Um, is okay, but you've got an, an, an attack that's just dreadful. It's only going to end up in one way. So, so can't you know they've scrapped, they've scrapped and scrapped. And I'll use another animal analogy. It's the cat situation. They've just run out of their lives, I think. And it's going to be, I think, it's going to be quite a hard season. I think next season in league, uh, they've they've had, and we'll probably come on to that later in the show. But they've had now, um, you know, backroom shake up. Um, so it's. I think they're going to be. I don't see them being an automatic return to Liga next season. I think put it that way. No, and it's a difficult one for them, isn't it? Because they they're going to lose. Obviously, we've we've mentioned already. Gilbert is going to go. I can't imagine some of the clubs coming up or some in the bottom half aren't going to take half a look at Bree Samba. Especially, I'm thinking if a if a Lecomte goes from Montpellier, surely that that's a, that's the kind of level of club that's maybe. Well, Red, Red have been out. looking at him as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's got to be someone on the move. So there's a goalkeeper. There's a an important right back. You think that some of these players like uh, Ninger or Crivelli or Bamu was going to interest someone around the bottom of the table just because of the experience. I think Faco Fires also maybe given himself a case for, for staying in league and a couple of teams might have a, a quick look at him. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, maybe GQ as well is someone who stays in, in league and based on experience as well. And he's he can be a, a decent defender on his day and can play centre-back and right-back, which is flexibility helps. But other than that, you look at the squad and it's just, it's not good enough, really, really for a league on level and, and the teams around them. And much like you said, uh, Rich, even though you maybe say Nice is the anomaly with their 30 goals, but the bottom three um, have got 31 goals, 29 goals and 28 goals. All three of the uh, uh, have been pretty awful this season in front of goal. And yes, Nice have that caveat. They've only conceded 35 and they've got sort of that strange minus five goal difference. But when you can't keep all the teams out, as well as not being able to score that many goals, it's only a recipe for disaster. If you either, you can see, for for example, the other teams above them, you're thinking Toulouse and Monaco have sort of slipped a little bit, but have, have stayed just above the waterline for for a considerable amount of time now. We've all managed to get goals. That's 
been the real key for them. The same with Amion, even though they've not scored loads in 31, every time they have scored goals, they tend to win games. So uh, that's the sort of difference that that happens in league and really and yeah it's difficult to see them compared to someone like Gangon where you think maybe some of the young players might carry them through that's maybe we mentioned it previously this season con maybe need to get back to that and to back to the youth system that brought in or or at least the system that brought in the likes of Conte and, and Lamar through to the league because they they have produced some cracking players and um instead they sort of reverted to that Liga and journeyman type model this season and it's clearly not worked for them and uh, it's a shame to see them go and it's going to be a real struggle for them to come back now uh, quickly on the sort of clubs that um, have maybe been a, a tad fortunate because well, we'll sort of say briefly mention Amion have, have sort of lifted themselves up and above these two teams so they get a bit of anonymity for, for getting a result on the final day and, and probably being a little bit better than their 38 points tally is has come to, and we might talk about them a little bit later. But uh, as for Toulouse and Monaco, for both of them, it's been dreadful seasons, especially for Monaco. A really bad end to the season. They conceded a, a poor penalty. They conceded an own goal as well in a, in a derby against Nice, and uh, they'll just be thankful to get this season over with, and that they're not in Ligue 2, and that the fact that they've not had to rely on a result on that final day of the season to keep them up because uh, they pulled out a bit of a stinker again. Uh, they absolutely did. It's been an absolute shocker of a season. Um, you know, they'll look back on, you look at their running, um, and it, it, it makes a pretty gruesome reading, to be perfectly honest. You know, they'll be ever so grateful for for the, the penultimate week's win over Amiens. Um, you know, without that, they'd be, they'd be in the relegation playoff. You know, if they hadn't have won that game, Dijon would have overtaken them. Um, but it's it has been a woeful, a woeful end to the season. They'll be ever so grateful for that Amiens win. They'll be ever so grateful for the that immediate um, sort of return honeymoon period once once Jardine came back at the end of January. You know they had a really good February, four wins from three wins from four games. Um, it, it's it's those it's those games plus that Amiens win that has ultimately just about saved. A you know it's it saved a very very hugely disappointing season from being an utterly disastrous one because if they had have dropped down to league you know who knows what earth would have happened with that with that team with the players with the entire you know with the entire project under under Rabelovlev. Um so it's you know it's it's breathe a sigh of relief it's acknowledge what a dreadful season it's been. But now it's a case of, okay, well, what do we need to put right? Um, and for Monaco, it's very much a case of they need to look at their transfer policy. Um, Jardim has spoken about it, um, that that they need to look at bringing in, um, you know, players who have experience. You know, they had they obviously had the summer transfer window last year where they just brought in a load of 16, 17-year-olds that, didn't really do the trick not not for you know not nothing to do with you know, it's not their fault they're just hugely inexperienced and they just failed to bring in those experienced youngsters shall we say that they had done in previous windows so they need to get their transfer window right they need to off offload some players you know they have an extraordinarily huge um list of players on their books um 
I think when you take into account all their, their loan players as well as youth players who've been signed on professional contracts, I think I read somewhere the other day they're up to sort of 60, nearly 70 players. Um, that needs to be trimmed. That really does need to be trimmed. There needs to be a, a, a real togetherness with that squad. They need to look at their defence. Um, they need to look at their goalkeeping situation. I'm not entirely sure Subasic will be, will be there beyond the summer. Uh, even if he is, I'd probably be looking at upgrading on him. Um, the defence, as I say, that needs to be looked at, uh, specifically in the uh, in the centre of the defence. Um, but they need to get that transfer policy right. They really do. It was it's not been a good good uh, good transfer period. Yeah, okay. They brought in a couple of good players. I, I quite like the Ballo Torre move in in January. Fabregas. We'll we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, but there's 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 plenty of work I think there to to be done. Um, so it's it's going to be a very very interesting um, summer I think on the uh, on the Riviera. Yeah, really, and it's a strange one, isn't it? I think the look they had when they won the won the league title is the fact that a lot of the young players that were part of that squad were already two, three years into the team. You think of the real key ones in Bernardo Silva and Fabinho. They they had the experience under the club and were able to step into that role. And the difficulty was when they left, they bought the youngsters that year and then were expected to mould it. And that just hasn't worked. And it, it clearly hasn't. And they maybe need to revert this model in terms of, like you say, bring in a couple of young players, yes, but let's get some experience in. Let's accept that a season at least after this one, is going to be a, a rebuild again a little bit. You might not make Champions League football, but aim for, for maybe Europa League football, that sort of that, that sort of aim. I know Monaco's owners won't like the sound of that necessarily, but it, it's all about a building process for them now and making sure that they can get to a stage where maybe next season, where Golovin and, and other players, Balotori, like you mentioned, and, and others have had two, three seasons. I'm thinking Pietro Pellegri as well, who's not played an enormous amount of football yet, but he's still a young player in their squad and will have the experience within the club at least at that time. That in a year's time will make a massive difference when they know the club, when they know the ability that they have and stuff like that. And as long as they can keep hold of them, they can they can maybe flourish. And that's how it worked last time because I'm a, other than Bernardo Silva being what sort of a revelation. I remember when Fabinho started it, when he was a right back, it wasn't it didn't click straight away. The first season was a bit of a, a struggle and a time to adjust. And they just need to be a bit more relaxed about how long this process tends to take and, and be a bit more careful that next time that they have, like you say, if they bring in youngsters this season and then next summer, if they're having to sell a few on, make sure that those players have had enough experience that they're ready to take on those roles that are needed because that's where they really struggled. But um, I'm pretty sure if I was... Leonardo Jardim and anyone like Juventus were making any winks at me, I would jump as soon as I could possibly could. I think really that's it, not just because of that club, but uh, I think maybe a fresh start for him might be just as positive as well. Very quickly, just before, uh, sorry, Richard, before we go on to um, the, the sides higher up and their interesting summers to come, uh, Toulouse, terrible result again against Dijon. They were really disappointed that they've ended with a, a real stinker of a season, but there's a lot of work to be done this summer. And we mentioned they may struggle this season and they have, but not quite to the extent maybe we expected. But if the quality of the sides coming up is the exact same as we've seen this season in the terms of Rass and, and Neem really going on fire, that they are in a lot of trouble, especially if, if someone comes in for Gradell at any point as well. 
Yeah, it feels like they're they're another team that have probably played with fire a little bit too many times. Um, you know, they they've they've again just about done enough this season, but that squad is a you know for 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 a team that actually has a really good youth youth system, it's a it's a pretty aging team. You know, when you're still relying on on the likes of of Yannick Kauzak, when you're still rely, relying on the likes of, um, uh, you know, Quentin Jean is still there. I mean, <laughs> quite how he's still there, I don't know. But there's a lot of dead wood in that team. Um, and there's, to be perfectly honest, there's not a lot of quality. Um, I think they need to look at bringing in three or four, um, you know, experienced, but let's say within reason, league and players sort of you know mid to late 20s bring a few you know bring a couple of them in maybe look at the teams that have gone down uh maybe look at picking off some of those players um the likes of corn the likes of gangon um but rely on on the youth setup you know their 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 youth team got to the final of the coupe gambadella this season um there's a lot of very exciting young players in that team that are going to be um, you know, at the various youth tournaments, uh, be it Toulon, be it the under-20 or under-21s um, this summer, maybe rely on some of them. You know, there, there are some really, really good young players, um, you know, sort of 16, 17, 18. Maybe give, give some of those a go. Not too many, but integrate one or two from the start of next season and just see how well they can do. Um, you know, you look at how well... You know, he may be an anomaly, but we'll, we'll use him as the example. Look at how well Issa Diop has done. You know, he was an absolute giant of a player for, for Toulouse. He's moved to West Ham. He's had a terrific season with West Ham. They've got that good youth setup. Use it. Don't rely on, you know, a, a raft of players over the age of 30 who, yeah, they've got all the experience in the world, but they're really not going to contribute a lot to the team. Um, and this is a, you know, this is yet another season where they have really survived by the skin of their teeth. So hopefully, hopefully it will serve as a warning to, to Toulouse and, and they can sort something out over the summer because they cut, ca they can't surely can't have yet another season where they're cutting it this fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's another it's another team. There's there's quite a few of them, I think. But it's another team that's got to go through a wholesale changes in the summer if they are to at least make you know the end of the season a little bit more relaxing for them. Yeah, I I can't see them really keeping Casanova. I mean, we'll keep our ears to the ground for the next couple of days or, or so. But I can't imagine he's an interesting uninteresting football is really going to stay on. Really, the 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 club have been awful this season, and like you say, it's a it feels like a little bit like a team of mercenaries, and I don't want to really insult any of the players like that because you know I'm sure they they play as hard as they can do, and they're earning a good wage for it. But it just feels like a collection of players rather than a than a team really, and it has done all season. And it's just they're glad that Max Langradell is a really incredible version of that, really for that level. I mean, he really should be playing at a, a Europa League club minimum, really. And, and I'm not wouldn't be surprised if a couple. Um, take some interesting glances at him this summer. But the interesting thing for Toulouse as well is they're not awash with money. And because of the way they're destructing the club, he's the only sellable asset, really. There's not a young player there that's 
that's really grown an enormous amount. I mean, this players like Manu Garcia who's been on loan from Man City who's saying he won't be back. So <laughs> that one's done and dusted. So in a way, the way they've they bought in the summer and, and in January was a, a real risk because they've got no sell-on players really in in theory, if the, if they want to make any business this summer, they may have to look to sell Gradel and then build from there. Because you think, like you mentioned there, Rich, like Corentin Jean and and others, like maybe Leia Seca, if you were trying to move them on, who's going to buy them, and who's going to buy them for any kind of money that's going to be able to be, be be reinvested in a considerable way? So yeah, take a risk next season, try a couple of young players, let's see if they have something, because that's the only way they're going to really improve now, because they're. It's, a bit of a mess, really, to be fair, and they're going to be incredibly lucky to to stay up next season. Before we move on, just quickly, a note that we missed on, on Colm, that um, Fabian Mercador had, had left the club at the weekend, um, which we didn't mention, so that they, they are looking for a new manager. and It won't be Roland Corbis, who's, who's moved on as well, and surprisingly, he's thought, oh, I've not been able to save them. I'm the quote-unquote league and saver so uh, I'm going to head off and be a pundit again so nice to see that he stuck around when uh, finally he was, would have been offered the, the complete reins but um, it's not entirely surprising I suppose is it? Uh, on to three interesting summers from three teams that have had good to bad seasons really they've all had interesting moments it, I think the perfect way of summing up all three really is here but uh, going, starting with PSG um, they've won the league title uh, what really is they sort of got to the 100 yard mark and decided to run backwards from the look of things of a marathon and they tripped over a couple of twigs and they've they've taken a couple of, of they've almost uh, sausage rolled over the, uh, the finish line really in, in pretty embarrassing style they were humbled really at Rats even though they did push them in the second half but some devastating goals some terrible mistakes from two Italians really who've been pretty bad this season I can't believe Verratti's in the team but um in the team of the season and uh, Buffon has not had the greatest season in Liga, which is a shame for, for such a grand keeper but there's a lot of things to figure out like we say in the intro Rich they've offered Tuchel a new manager a new contract he's there till 2021 which has uh, reportedly weakened the position of Antero Henrique that wanted him gone and, and wanted Mourinho in his place um, supposedly he's having a meeting in Doha later this week some of the moves have been stopped or at least targets they were looking at has been halted for the time being as the paradigm looks to shift again. It's it's a bit of a mess. Again, we, we keep mentioning every week it's a bit of a mess, but at least at this point, it seems like a mess that they're trying to resolve now. Um, it, it does. Um, I think what was quite interesting was, was listening to um, uh, Robbie Thompson, who is... Um, He's the, the the producer and presenter on This Is Paris, uh, which is PSG's sort of um, magazine show, if you like. Listening to, to him on the, the Ligue 1 podcast, he was saying that, that basically took this 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 contract extension had actually been agreed way back. You can take this all pretty much all the way back to to the Coupe de France win. Uh, sorry, the Coupe de France final, um, and that actually that, that this had already been agreed. Back, back then, but of course they lost the final, didn't want to announce it off the back of bad news, and I've sort of left it drift on and on and on and obviously these rumours about Tuchel's future came about, he had the the, the the press conference after the game where he was saying things like well do you guys know something that I don't um, and all along apparently basically he, um, he'd forgotten 
<laughs> this that this contract extension had been agreed. Uh, but it's all very peculiar. Um, it, it, it's it wouldn't be PSG if there was sort of things to complicate things and things to cause some confusion. It seems it, it for 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 the giant that they are, things don't seem to ever run particularly smoothly. Um, you know, it, it seemed as though Henrique's um, position had, had solidified recently. And then obviously the, the Tuchel contracts extension was announced. And now um, Enrique is apparently off to Qatar for meetings with the with the owners. Um, you know, you would think being summoned to Qatar to meet the owners, it, it sounds fairly ominous. Um, you know, Tuchel clearly wants to bring in his kind of players. Um and again, if I, I refer back to, to what Robbie Thompson was saying on that podcast, was he's expecting PSG to play very much his way, Tuchel's way next season. You know, this was a bedding-in season. He very much expects Tuchel to get more of his own way next season in terms of how the team plays, the style, and obviously that filters through to the transfers as well. Um, you know, we, we could probably have an entire podcast talking about PSG's transfer policy, but... We know, we won't go into detail on it, but we all know where PSG need to strengthen. Now, that has been the case for the last few seasons and they've not addressed it. You get the feeling that, you know, this is quite a, a, a good and firm statement from the club that they are backing Tuchel. And obviously now with question marks over Henrique, question marks whether Leonardo is going to be brought back into the fold, whether he survives at, as a sporting director at AC Milan. Um you know, if they bring him back, you feel as though, well, that's that actually, you know what, I know he left under a bit of a cloud, but when Leonardo was there, transfer policy was fairly clear. Um, he's someone that players respected and, and it, it, it seemed to work very nicely. And I think since Leonardo left, uh, and Al Khalifi has taken on this more active role, shall we say, in, in terms of transfers, that's when things have started to become slightly confusing, slightly complicated, slightly disappointing even in the transfer market. So I think with, with you know, if Enrique's position, okay, if he doesn't go, let's say, but it sounds as though his position is going to be slightly weakened when it comes to transfers. Um, I think, you know, there's there's some, been some big names that they've they failed to get over the line. Obviously, there was there was Frankie de Jong, there was Idrissa Gay back in, in January, you know, key players that would have done fantastic for PSG. And they missed out on both. Um, you know how much of those circumstances would be on PSG's control? We'll we'll debate for some time, I'm sure. But ultimately, PSG are a global powerhouse, and they couldn't get those two transfers over the line. You know, they're they're two big money transfer transfers last year, back last summer, and and in in the the winter transfer window have been disappointing. Tilo Keira, I don't think has been very good. Leandro Paredes has been even worse than that. Um, so it, it's, it's yeah, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens with this, with this Henrique meeting in Doha. Um, there's rumours coming out tonight that that Gattuso actually is the man that could be could be leaving AC Milan. So I'm fairly certain if if Leonardo was on the market, Henrique would probably be sweating quite. Hot because I think PSG would jump at the opportunity to bring him back. Yeah, these managerial structures sometimes boggle the mind. I don't understand why an owner doesn't buy, get a sporting director, and a sporting director goes, right, I need a a, a 
a director of football and in an Antero Henrique sort of form and a, and a coach like Thomas Tuchel. Uh, when I hire those two, let's make sure they're compatible first because they all seem to go for power struggles. It seems to happen in all sports, in, in all sorts of forms, and it's it never goes on because what, <laughs> what, what, what wouldn't surprise me is if Leonardo does come in and he has a nice friendly time with Tuchel for six months and then all of a sudden there's a tension somewhere where Tuchel wants power or Leonardo wants power and someone subsides at some point and it just seems mental but the, the game at the weekend was real disappointment from them, from them they didn't really create anything Buffon makes two possibly three mistakes I, I maybe being a little bit harsh on the third goal but he's had an awful season at PSG and if they keep him on and keep Kevin Trapp like they reportedly might do as well, it seems insanity, really. It shows you this, the structure that's that's not really at the club at the moment. And the same for for uh, for Verratti, who... I feel like there's a caveat to Verratti's performance in the sense that he's got no one around him in centre midfield at the moment, which it can be can really help because at the same time he does try risky stuff and he does try to sometimes play out and make little turns in turn places where he shouldn't do. But he's not where he used to have options. He has no one really, and uh, it just baffles the mind of the things that's happened this season. Not just uh, the problems with Adrian Rabiot, not the fact that bringing. Um, Paredes was was clearly a, a backwards move. He's not really PSG quality. Although, if the if the reports of Ander Herrera eventually signing nothing confirmed yet, he he would be a really good player to have in that scenario. But even the ones like Giovanni Lo Celso, I can't believe they allowed him to go on loan in the fast, last couple of days of the season, and now he did excellently in Betis. They've obviously agreed to pay the money that they agreed as part of the loan deal as well to sign him permanently. And clubs are even looking to try and buy him off Betis now. Um, big uh, Other big European clubs. It seems absolutely mental that they let someone like that go when they're desperate for midfielders. Because ne- at the moment, next season, it's going to be Verratti and Paredes and Pereira. And then they still need two, maybe three midfielders. It's absolutely insane. And it's going to be an interesting summer regardless, seeing how that battle between uh, Tuchel and Enrique sort of climaxes if it does, or whether we get another um, year of melodrama behind the background and, and Neymar and Mbappe moaning. And if things don't go their way, there's going to be the, uh, I'm looking forward to the Mbappe saga this season, this summer as well, with Real Madrid flashing their non-existent money at, at Paris Saint-Germain and fluttering their eyelids and and Mbappe's dad probably saying he wants to go or another family member or something like that. And then PSG going, well, it's going to cost 250. It would cost 250 million to get Mbappe. There's no question. There's no ifs or buts about that. And do any club in the world have that kind of money? No, it's it's a simple fact. So if he's really moving for make weights, Real Madrid will at least have to give them two players and possibly 120 million. It's just not going to happen. It's a non-story really, unless something absolutely crazy happened, like Mbappe bought his own contract, but it's, it's just not going to happen. And if, if any, if yeah. any club, if any club can make 250 million appear, it would be Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if, if that were to happen, uh, I think that the FFP would be a joke, especially if they're looking into a club like Manchester City that have, have admittedly spent a lot of money, but not that much in one go. The fact that if, if Real Madrid, without the sponsorship deals and things like that, uh, have that ability to find that in the, the back of their sofa, I, I would like to see how... Um, how the rest of it goes, because then they might as well just repeal FFP and let everyone spend what they want <laughs> again, because it, it would make no sense otherwise. But uh, I, I digress before we, we fall further into this pothole. Uh, on, to, on to Leon, who 
won on the final game of Genesio, but I was probably being a bit sly on the on the intro because it wasn't really a classic win in any shape or form. They scored two goals in the last te- five minutes, and Neem really were unlucky. They should have won that game comfortably, really, in the end. They had a couple of really good chances. And Leon have sort of seen off the, the Genesio area in a kind of flash. We've seen a, the nice publicity of Juninho and, and Silvino this week, speaking English, speaking French. And it's an interesting one because the, the comments from Olas, especially at, at full time and around after then, uh, Rich, of who will move on. He said it's going to be two players. Um, and then they mentioned Fakir and he went, oh, yes, there's an agreement to let Fakir. So essentially, th- essentially three players. Uh, we know that it's almost certainly going to be Undumbele, the, the second one of those. It's, a, it's sort of a little bit up in the end of the third. I'm, I'm thinking that the optimist is thinking it's Depay, but the realist is probably thinking it's Furlong Mendy somewhere. Um, if it was to be Mendy, it'd be a big, it would be a pretty big blow for them, wouldn't it? It's the him and Dombele and, and Fekir means there's there's at least a couple of holes to fill in the summer. Or it could even be um, Dembele, who was interesting Manchester United reporting in another one of the clubs, but they can't afford to lose too many, can they? Uh, they can't. Um, and I think what was interesting with, with what Olas was saying was that he'd given assurances to Janino that there wouldn't be these wholesale departures, that there would be two plus Fekir. Now, they can cope without Fekir. I have no doubt about that. Um, I think one of the reasons that Hussein Maurer perhaps hasn't had a stronger second season as he could have done was the fact that Fekir has been there. Um, I think when we saw Hussein Maurer at his best last season was where he was playing that Fekir role in being that sort of playmaker, that creative, that, that source of creativity. And I think with Fekir not having left as everybody thought he would last summer, I think that's hampered Awar. So I think how Awar can, can easily move into that role. I think Undombele, I think they brace themselves for him going. Um, I think there's there's players within Ligue 1 that they could look to to recruit. They've got someone like um, Pap Sheikh Diop, um, who you know has has looked decent, not Undombele standards, but you know you're probably comparing yourself to. They're not going to replace like for like, shall we say? Undombele is a 70, 80 million euro player. Leon aren't going to replace him with a 70, 80 million euro player. So you know, but they they have they have players who can come in there. Obviously, there's there's Tucson. I know he's a bit more defensively minded. They have players that can cater there. Furlan Mendy, they really don't have anyone. You know, yes, okay, they've signed Raphael to a contract extension um, and he can play left back, but, you know, that's a significant downgrade. Um, like you, I, I fear that, that Furlan Mendy will be that second player. Um, you know, he's obviously had an outstanding season. Um, he had an excellent season last season as well. Um you know, everybody seems to love a fullback at the moment. And when you've got one that's playing as well as Furlan Mendy, you're going to attract a lot of interest. You know, we know Real Madrid are interested. There will be a whole host of other clubs who will be looking around for him. So I fear it will be him. That could be a big blow. That really could be a big blow. I think Depay will be the player that they'll try and offload um, because I think they can afford to lose him. Um you know, Bertrand Traore seems to want to stay. Uh, Maxwell Cornet has made some interesting comments recently. Um, you know, I think he's actually finished the season really strongly. Uh, made some comments about the fact that, 
you know, he's been rumoured to have been wanting to go. He's come out today and said, look, I categorically say I've not said I want to go. We actually went to see Olas in January to talk about a contract extension. And basically those those discussions never went anywhere. So he doesn't appear to be wanting to be pushing for a move. Um, you know, Dembele, I think, will be an integral player next season. I think he's been hugely important this season, but has sort of not been able to, to sustain a regular position in the team. I think that will change next season. I think he's been fantastic um, since his move from Celtic. I think 20, 23 goals in all competitions this season, I think, represents an excellent return for a first season in Liga. Um, so I'm expecting more of the same from him next season. I think it's easy to forget after the seasons that he'd had with Celtic and obviously Fulham before that, he's still only 22. You know, he's gone to the the um, under-21 European Championships. I've no doubt he'll make a success of that. Um, he will get a lot of interest, but he is a player I really don't think they can afford to lose. You know, I'm really looking forward to next season seeing what Dembele and Martin Terrier can do as a as a sort of um, forward duo for for Lyon. Um, so, it, as as you know, it seems to be every every summer with Lyon. You know, there's there's fears and rumours over a whole host of players leaving. Now, Olas has obviously now gone on record to say that we'll only be losing two big names. Now, I think it's important that he said big names because he'll always be able to hide behind. Well, you know, how, who, how do, who, who is, you know, who are you to define what big means? You know, to us, big will mean Maxwell Cornet. Um, to others, Maxwell Cornet won't be deemed as big. Um, so, you know, although Olas has said it will be two plus Fekir, um, you know, I don't think we take that as gospel. Let's put it that way. I think there is the potential for more. Um, you would hope not. You would hope that with Janino coming in, with Silvino coming in, um, you know, you would hope that they're given as good an opportunity as possible to make a go of 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 seeing whether they can challenge Leo. Uh, sorry, challenge challenge PSG. That's been Olas's hopes for for a long time. Is that he can get the team challenging to near the top. Um, and hopefully Olas also recognises that the only way you're going to do that is keeping hold of your best assets. So, um, you know, we'll see Fekir go, we'll see Ndombele go, and we will see A another go. Um, it, I suppose the key for next season for Leon is who that A another is. Mm, yeah, it's, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because like you say, that I think Maxwell Corn is maybe a forgotten man because even if Fekir and Depay were to go, you would probably say the starting three up front for, for Leon would be Dembele as the central striker and Bertrand Traore on one side and Terrier as the other winger, really. it's it's He's sort of in a strange position where even if he does stay and sign a new contract, he's probably still back up. I don't really want to upset him in any way of saying that, but that's what Leon fans will be thinking, at least unless he, he really goes on a tear, which he's, he, has, he has been good in the big games. He was good in both the games. It's... Manchester City, but he's not really shown much else this season. So it's it, it's an interesting position for someone like him. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how many they can keep if they can bring in some centre backs. And like you say, it's in a strange way. Even if they lose on Dembele, I don't think it's the end of the world because he's a fantastic player. I think he's got a great engine on him. Uh, but 
the matter of fact is, is other than maybe he creates the hockey assist, he doesn't get a greater number of assists. He's, I think the goal of the weekend was his first Liga goal, wasn't it? I think, I think he's seen it scored in cup games. It certainly is only Liga goal this season, I think. So he's not really a great scorer from midfield either. So in essence, while his presence is great and he, the, the work ethic is going to be difficult to replace, they can replace him in different ways, at least in, in terms of Awal being creative in front of him, adding to, to Fekir and, and possibly him getting goals as well. And, and if they can get a midfielder who can get five, six goals and contribute to a box-to-box, they're probably not going to miss him as much as they think they will, whilst not denying that he'll be a great asset to, to whichever new club he, he ends up at. But... Uh, could be an interesting summer for them, like you say, a new manager getting his feet under the table, getting their style and making sure they doesn't lose too much because if he does, he's got a real problem if if some of these other clubs, like if Marseille spend big and get it right, or if, if Nice get investment and they start building a team, or if Leo can keep on to more players than the, we we think they can, or or some of them can make the step up after Pepe's departure. It's it, it could really or if Santetien can continue their momentum potentially, it could put them in a in a bit of a hole. Talk, talking of Marseille, the Rudy Garcia era, era ended with a one 0 win, but it's not really the talking point in this one, really, because it's from the looks of things on Instagram, at least anyway, those that follow Mario Balotelli, it looks like it was his final game, and it was kind of the classic Mario Balotelli send off in terms of it being a pretty miserable performance, ending in a red card. <laughs> yeah, it, just when you thought that side of Balotelli had gone, um, he he goes and and goes and does that. It it was it was Mario Balotelli as everybody seems to know him. Um, you know, we've sort of over the last two seasons or so, we've 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 come to grow. We've grown accustomed to a slightly more responsible Balotelli, a slightly more reliable Balotelli, but. He just makes sure that you know the old Balotelli, that that's still there. Um, you know, it was a silly, silly challenge. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't overly crazy. It wasn't overly dangerous. It was just silly. It didn't, he, he didn't need to do it. So he leaves under a bit of a cloud. Who knows what's going to happen next season? I know there's a big campaign for him to, for for Brescia to to sign him and and sort of bring him home, so to speak. Um, now that they're in, they'll be in Serie A next season again. Um, uh, but who knows? You, you can never tell. Um, with, with Balotelli, I mean, one thing that one thing that is certain is that if he doesn't stay with Marseille, you know, they they simply have to have to recruit uh, at least one new center forward. You know, Balotelli's goals since he joined in January are probably the only reason. They even had a sniff of Europe, um, if I'm perfectly honest, because, you know, performance-wise, it, it hasn't been great this season yet again. Um, yet they do seem to just scrape the points when they need to. But Balotelli, um, his goals at least brought a, um, something that was approaching a reliable goal score that they have lacked, I think, for two, three seasons now. Um if he does, if he goes, then you know that's another area that they've got to recruit in. Um, you know, we already know where where it's same as same as PSG. We've gone through it so many times where Marseille need to recruit. Um, you know, it's blindingly obvious to everyone they've got to do it this summer. 
Um, you know, otherwise they're they're in danger of really fizzling out this 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 McCourt era. Um, but if Balotelli goes, that just adds to the problem of whoever the new the new manager will be at at the Velodrome because that's another position they've got to recruit. And yes, they'll be able to spend money, but you have to think. You know, they they got a little bit lucky, I think, last season with you know some of the the funds that they got. You know, Anguissa going for thirty million. Um, you know, in terms of players departing, their only big money likely departure is going to be Tova. Um, you know, we'll see where he goes um, and how much he goes for. You know, last season, season before, um, you know, Marseille, I think, probably could have could have commanded sort of 50, 60 million for him. But, you know, he's another year, 18 months older now. Um, you know, he's had another fairly solid season. I don't think it's nowhere, been nowhere near as spectacular as last season. But, I don't think, you know, I, I think if I'm perfectly honest, I think they'll be lucky to get 40 million for him. Um, you know, the elite clubs aren't going to be interested in him. We know that he seems to have this issue of performing on the big stage. So those 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 clubs at the very top aren't going to come in for him. He said he wants Champions League football, but, you know, so so it's it's where does that pitch him? You know, you can't see one of the top six in England taking a chance on him. You can't see anybody particularly in Germany. I mean, really, it's only going to be Bayern Munich, really. We'll see with, with Robin and Ribery going. Maybe there's an opening there. May, maybe. Um, you can't see any of the top three in Spain taking him, and you can't really, you know, you can't see someone like a Juventus taking him, which means he's got to look at someone like a, uh, you know, an Inter Milan, maybe. Um, but it, it's going to be a challenge to offload him for, you know, a huge chunk of money that Marseille will need to be able to reinvest into that squad, bearing in mind how much reinvestment will be needed because it's, again, they're another squad that needs wholesale changes. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't understand why they didn't bring in Baralatelli earlier. It just made no sense they couldn't get something done in the summer. But very quickly, because we want to move on to a couple more clubs before we finish, and we are fastly running out of time because we've got plenty to talk about at the end of this season. But uh, very quickly, your thoughts on VS Boas potentially coming in? Rich, I mean, is supposedly on a massive wage in terms of he'll be earning more than two call reportedly, even there was 600,000 a year that was initially reported, but it's supposedly less than that, but still more than him. But uh, a manager who did terrifically, obviously, with that trouble in Porto back in 2010-11, failed at Chelsea, failed at Tottenham, got a league title at Zenit, which isn't necessarily the hardest thing to do in, in Russia, no disrespect to them or, or the Russian league at all, um, especially at that time at least, and failed at Shanghai. It's a risk, isn't it? Um, it is a risk. You know, when you look at the team, when you look at the coaches that are out there, um, it is a bit of a risk, but um, it's a gamble that I can see, I could see working. You know, he's he's got experience of managing big players um, and he's got an experience of managing some very talented players. Um, so I, it, it, it certainly, it certainly, I think, falls on the slightly more I can understand it position of 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 a of a of a signing I think for Marseille. There's certainly worse managers they could have gone for. Um I personally would have loved to have seen them go all out for Laurent Blanc uh, and, and see his return just to ruffle the feathers I think in in Paris as well. But 
it's it's a reason. I, I think the only the only hesitancy you have is just is just that salary. You know, obviously they're they're, they're limited funds, and you know if if they're having to forego, um, you know, transfer funds for his salary, then then I'm afraid that tips me back into the no. I think that's a mistake, um, because ultimately they they could have gone for a cheaper manager. They could have gone for a very experienced league one manager. Um, because there's certainly plenty of those in the division that they could have gone for that are very, very talented and very, very able, and they could have then used that money to 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 reinvest into the squad. So I think really it, it all depends on how and, and if that impacts transfer funds. Yeah, he's still 41. You wouldn't really believe it, the, amount, uh, the length he's been a manager now, really, and the different clubs he's been at. He's uh, been out of work for a little bit of time now, but uh, an interesting one. I, I know it won't happen now because of uh, reports of a big takeover at Newcastle, but they really should have gone for Rafa Benitez just before that stopped going through, really. It felt like a perfect match for them, but alas, it will be Vies Boas that we see next season in all likelihood. Uh, very quickly then, Rich, we're going to quickly touch on a couple of teams that are going to have uh, a big summer. Saint-Étienne has won. They've got Europa League football next season, but no Jean-Louis Gasset. They're all putting up the banners for Gisland Preton to get the the job and he's well respected within Ligue 1 and, and the, obviously the players absolutely love him but um, his last job was at Bastia who went down in the season he was there it's, from an outside perspective looking in it's still regardless of the player support it does seem like a a, a tough one for, for fans to palette at least uh, it would be but when you've got a lot of senior players backing him, I think you just got to put the trust in. Um, you know, you've got Jan and Veer, who has been very explicit in so much as it's appoint him or I'll go. Now, you know, you can take it or leave it as to whether you think that's that's the thing a player should be saying or not. But at least he's made his stance perfectly clear. Um there's question marks apparently over the futures of players like uh, Matthew Debushi, uh, Remy Kabea, uh, Wabi Kasri, uh, who are all big fans of Gasset and in turn Pretons as well. So I think they've all, they've all made it very clear to the board. The question I think now is whether the board want to almost feels as though the board have been put in a position of, well, if we appoint him, does it look like we've we've sort of kowtowed and 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 backed down to to these senior players and does that make us look weak? Um, but on the other hand, can Saint-Étienne afford to lose those kind of players? I genuinely don't think they can. They're not a big spending team. Um, you know, they've, they've, those four players have been pretty much integral to, to Saint-Étienne's excellent season. Um, so I really don't think they can afford to lose them. So it, for me, it's a no-brainer if you're, Saint if you're the, the board at Saint-Étienne, you appoint him, you keep those players happy. And you give him a go. Ultimately, if he doesn't do the job, then, you know, two months in, you, you show him the door and you bring someone else in. And at least, you know, you've got those players on board and you've got the evidence of, well, look, sadly, we gave him the opportunity, but he just wasn't up to it. So I, I think it's a it's it's a risk you take, I think, for the, the greater good. I think they can afford to, to appoint him and perhaps not get off to a, a, a great start. Um, I don't think they can afford to not appoint him and lose up to four hugely important, hugely vital senior players in that team. 
Yeah, I think it's it's if the players are starting to make those noises, it, it makes complete sense. But uh, it, it, the only worry would be is if the first, if they fall out of the Europa League relatively quickly, if the first couple of games don't go the way they want them to, it will make them seem like this was the time to appoint someone maybe a bit more um, high profile and have the chance to, and and they sort of miss that boat and whether those players will stick around after that or the following summer or even matter next next season is is another thing entirely on to Nantes, which is really interesting in the last couple of days i mean it looks like halle hodzic is not going to stay um this summer there's reports that uh, for the last couple of weeks he's kind of fed up and and wants to put the situation behind him and, and move on now but supposedly Wallamir Kaut has been meeting with one Raymond Dominic this week um, for, for dinner as a potential um, replacement. Uh, it's a strange one, certainly. I don't think we'd ever expect him to be back in any kind of work, really, given that, you know, he probably got a nice payday and needed a good rest after this job with the French national team, and he certainly has. Um, but would that be the right move for them? Is that, I mean, if, if Kite is already out the door, do you think Dominic is, is a, the right kind of coach for to take Nantes to the next level? Uh, if, I'm, if I'm honest, no. I think, as you say, he's been out of work for such a long time. Um, Valdemar Kita is 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 a is a is a president, is an owner under huge pressure. You know, the Nantes fans are not happy with with him and his family and and their running of the club. Um, protests have been pretty vocal. Um, you know, and I think an appointment like this, he may think, oh, it's a big name to appease the fans. It won't appease the fans. Um, you know, I, I think there's I think there's four names I read that have been that have been intro, um, that have been linked with the role. Bear in mind, Halle Hodzic hasn't actually gone yet, mm. and Keita has come out to, I think, today to say, well, look, ultimately he's got a contract. Um, if he wants to leave, of course, we'll have those discussions. But for now, he's here. Uh, but it's Dominic, it's Bruno Genesio, it's Sabri Lamushi, and it's Mikhail Londro. Uh, now Londro in his first coaching job, didn't really do a, a particularly fantastic job at L'Oreal. Um, they were, they were unlucky to miss out on the, on the playoffs in, in, in league there. Um, Lamushi obviously been out of work since being sacked at Rennes. Um, but ultimately he got them into Europe. Uh, Dominic, who we've touched upon and then Genesio, of course we know about. So there's some big names in there, but you know, you can imagine that these, these have been put out by Keita himself. To say, well, look, you know, I'm I'm talking with big names, um, so you can probably imagine that that neither of, of of those of those coaches will will ultimately get the job. But um, Nantes have shown signs this season that it, it's not going to take a huge amount to necessarily um, turn things around. There, I think they had a good run um, certainly since the turn of the year. They've they've been in some decent form. Um, so we'll we'll see if uh, if what happens there, but um, Keita is certainly a man that's going to need to get the, the next appointment right. I think. Yeah, it feels like Raymond Dominic is the perfect um, move for one of the more vilified chairmen in the season. Let, let's pick one of the most hated football managers in France and and stick him at the head. At least his eyebrows would be entertaining to see again more than anything. <laughs> I think rather than any football or any. Uh, <laughs> any love from the stands at least before we finish then 
with you on, Rich. I have to, we have to finish on Ren, really. It's been an excellent season with the Cup, and they finished with a nice flourish. Um, uh, great to see them play young players as well. It was great to see the, the youngster. Uh, was it? I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head. Kamavinga. Yeah, he, he was excellent, Six, wasn't 16 he? 16-year-old. Yeah. yeah, and he almost grabbed his goal near the end as well, and he got absolutely scythed down by <laughs> Araujo at the end and, and rightfully was straight red carded. And, um, and by Nyong, got a standing ovation as he deserved. He's had an excellent recovery season, but there's still uh, a little hint of uncertainty over the summer for Ren, isn't there? Yeah, so Julian Stefan was was brought in back in December. Um, he was very swiftly, he was brought in as caretaker very swiftly after a great start, was given a permanent contract to 2020. Within that was an agreement for an automatic extension for a year. Um, if he got the club to finish seventh or above, um, they finished 10th, but obviously got the Coupe de France win. Um, first win 40-odd years, first trophy in 40-odd years. European football as well next season. Um, Julien Stefan, it appears now, doesn't actually have a particularly great relationship with President Olivier Leton. And it's more about the direction of the club and, and transfer policy and his, his own relationship and interaction at, at sort of everyday club level. Um, I think Stefan very much wants more say on issues of, of, of in those regards. Um, and so there's a bit of hesitancy over whether he will stay or not. Um, <clears throat> the club have come out supposedly and offered him um, the one-year extension anyway. Um, obviously, I think it's, for me, it's a no-brainer considering what he's done for the club. Um, so it, it, it's perhaps put a little bit of a taint on the end of a, on the end of ultimately, you know, tenth place doesn't look great, but I think what Stefan has done and obviously the cup success has probably been on the more successful side of, of things. Um, I want, I want that as a Ren fan. I want that to be sorted quickly. I want Stefan um, to be um, part of Ren going forward. I think he's been fantastic. Ben Arthur, as ever, seems to be at the centre of these issues and. Obviously, Ben Arthur has, has come out um, in the last couple of weeks and sort of slammed the style of Rennes. And I think Julien Stefan was just a little bit disappointed that Olivier Leton didn't come out straight away to 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 sort of admonish Ben Arthur, who's very much seen as teacher's pet when it comes to um, his relationship with Leton. Um, Leton eventually did come out and sort of apologise, say, yeah, I should have said something sooner. Hopefully, with Ben Arthur almost certain to leave the club this summer, that issue goes away. Um, you know, Latong and Stefan can repair their their relationship, and Ren can move on for the better. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Let's hope that that does, because it feels like we're repeating a track. But for I, I think certainly for the first time in a long time, we've got a Ren team that maybe looks like it's exciting, maybe looks like it's it's going places if it can hang on to a couple of these. Um, really great players that they've got um, at the moment that are really playing on form under Stefan and it'd be a shame to see that go wasted. Just before we finish, I just want to mention a great stat that I saw on, from our Twitter feeder uh, yesterday, which was the average percentage of capacity filled for home games in the league and the season. PSG obviously at the top with 98% because you know, you're guaranteed to get goals and there's plenty of tourists in Paris. Um, and 
But second place is 97% is Strasbourg, which I think is terrific. Um, a great representation from a club that's determined to have a, a real long stay in league and football. And it's going to get European football next season. So I won't be surprised if that's even better. And then Amiens with 94% as well in third, above Lyon, above Marseille. Um, great support from both those clubs and great to see them staying in, in league and as well as for next season uh, that's all for this week my thanks to rich and all of you listening at home there's no preview show as there's no more games to look at on thursday so the main show will be back for the final time this season next week it will be our awards so get ready get all your suits ready get the rod carpet smiles ready because we're going to be all clammed up for the same time same place next week abianto and goodbye